Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Menion, also known as Rob. And today I am joined with, or I was joined with, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And the two of us had a conversation about old school Renaissance revival, whatever you want to call it, and the OSR and OSR October, which has been kind of been. Uh, unofficially as everything is in this in this world uh, carried out by members particularly of the anchor community um that's the anchor podcasters that is so um without much more ado i'm just going to get into the conversation to warn you um i had just woken up a few minutes before so i'm worse than usual um yeah but uh i think after a while the two of us warmed up and that uh, well thanks to jason the conversation got uh got legs so we're going to start off chatting about, well, we'll see what we're going to talk about. It's a little bit long, uh, uh, hopefully somebody will get something out of this. Anyway, without much more ado, let's get going. Okay, do you speak or do I? Well, I think we've already started, so I, I think we're on a good start. Good morning. Right, good morning. So um, you... The listeners join us with uh, coffee. I think you have your coffee, don't you? I, I do. I have my coffee as well. So, in, in evening, my is that evening coffee? So it must be what what time is it there now? It is eight oh two here in the PM. Okay, I can. The listeners can't see this, but you can see this. This is uh, from the Grognard Files. This is the cup oh. you get. This is um Dirk's shrine this is the cup that has his shrine to caroline monroe well it's very psychedelic isn't it I yeah like yeah <laughs> very good yeah so, oh, so you're in the future rob and i am it, it's I'm october not, 23rd where you're at which which means it is i hadn't checked yet because <laughs> oh, i okay. only just woke up but yeah, yeah <laughs> it is and it's just past nine o'clock in the morning here uh, excellent so before we get into OSR talk, which is why everybody's here, I have to mention that today is the Day of Might, as decreed by the Skull. The Goodman Games, of course, they they do the excellent Tales of the Magician Skull Sword and Sorcery magazine, where they're publishing you know, new tales of sword and sorcery. And the mascot of that is the Skull. And October 23rd is the first time the Skull made an appearance. And this is the second annual anniversary of that, where we celebrate sword and sorcery so i don't want to put you on the spot but i'm going to put you on the spot i'll i'm going to ask you what maybe one or two of your favorite sword and sorcery things are just general open to any any interpretation what i'm doing for this day although you know it's still the 22nd here because i'm in the past but if if somebody goes to my podcast on the for the 23rd of october they'll hear me do a reading of a selection of Brack the Barbarian by John Jakes. Um, so, Barrack, so, Barrack. so I'll be reading a selection. But I, I, you know, this is a last minute thing for you. But, but what? So you may not be able to read a selection. But, but as your offering to the skull, what, what, what sword and sorcery would you point people towards that they could check out? Oh my goodness, that's really difficult. Could be a we've movie. A, could be book stories. We've had a very complicated uh, discussion of Conan. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robert E. Howard recently, or uh, on the like within the anchor sphere, right on the right. podcast that we do, um, and that has been, for the most part, it's been very negative. Even though 
many people do like you know Robert E. Howard's writing um, and there's so much good things to say about Robert E. Howard's writing but um, we've unfortunately um, we we have to I guess we have to address or we have to um, to to recognize the the negative aspects of his work and unfortunately that's where the focus has gone off um, so I guess I'll, I'll choose I'll choose Robert E. Howard for that reason um, because I never really read his work until quite recently, mm-hmm. um, and when I did, I read the short stories. I found them incredibly engaging. Um, and there's just so don't know how to explain it after just waking up in the morning, but it, they're so robust. The stories are really short. They're really punchy. Um, the language is incredibly rich and he just carries you along. Um, and Conan and the writing is just a, a force of, it's a force of nature really. Um, and it, it's great. Right. I, I, yeah, I would I mean, agree with that. There's a lot of violence in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very law, lawless. It's very chaotic. It's, um, <laughs> but, but that in the way is, I suppose would have been very liberating for people. Uh, reading that at the time. Well, well, I think that's the, today. yeah, and that's the important thing to remember. It, it is of the time, and nobody's defending the 1930s or anything, but he, he was a man of his time. And Howard actually was more progressive than a lot of people, you know, of I his time. So. That, that's, again, that's not saying there aren't things that aren't accept, you know, acceptable these days in, in the writing, right. but but he is definitely better than some of his peers, you, you know, without doubt. And, and the stories are still very evocative. And because they're sword and sorcery, because they're written in, you know, ages past, you, you, you know, in the in the age of Hyperborea, that they're pretty timeless, all told. You, you know, it's it's yeah. not like you read pulp stories and they, you know, talk about the technology of the 30s or 40s. And, you you know, you can't, people can't relate to that today. You know, kids today don't know how to operate a dial telephone, right? But the don't know what a phone booth is. But but with Conan, you don't have those issues. So right, right. Okay, so a quick mention of um, of of another writer whose name eludes me, but you uh, it is um, John Carter of Mars. Oh, Edward right, Rice writer, Burroughs. Isn't it? Burroughs. Right, Rice Burroughs. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Edward mm-hmm. Rice Burroughs, who writes about going into the center of the Earth, these adventures inside the Earth, going to Mars, all these different things that would then appear. Uh, again and again, many times within the role-playing uh, games and also other uh, fantasy novels. Um, right. He's writing and, these fantasy novels before there's a split between fantasy and science fiction as well, which is really exciting. That's right. Um, Bur- but, Bur- but I don't want to mention him. I didn't want to mention him. It's just a quick nod. To no, it's okay to mention him because Burroughs, <laughs> you know, we talk about these things, but, you know, Burroughs, when your Kipling did his White Man's Burden, Burroughs published a rebuttal to that. You, you know, called the black man's burden in in defense of because the white man's burden is kind of oh well the colonial powers have to do these things you know and right. and, and because of his experience in the U.S. Army you know the time like when we were over in the Philippines or insurrection things like that Burroughs you know he kind of saw the, the sides of this and he also saw this in the Southwest serving in the army and and so he you know he he rebutted Kipling's white man's burden you, you know he published a rebuttal to that. So, yeah, he now again, and, and you can find things that are of the time in his writings too, of course. Oh, yeah. But 
you know, he was strange, not strangely progressive. That sounds odd, but he was pretty progressive also for his time in many ways. Um, but yeah, he, he get his stories get, of course, like Tarzan and stuff. But, you know, Tarzan went into the hollow earth. You know, he went into, um, was it Peleander or Peleander? Pel- I forget the name. What? Something like that, isn't it? Yeah, it, his, it doesn't matter. But, but those stories, you know, he, get, he has the hollow earth stories, John Carter stories. No, the, you know, he, he wrote some excellent Westerns. If you just want to read just pulp Western stories. In fact, both of them wrote Westerns, both of them wrote a, a variety of genres, not just sword and sorcery. But yeah, there, there's some great older stuff out there, folks. Check it out. I, I don't want to derail the, the podcast too much. I know Rob wants to talk about OSR. Well, no, I wanted to but... quickly plug Michael Moorcock. Oh yeah, no, please. Yeah. Moorcock's <laughs> and, and, and Moorcock's still with us. He's still alive. Yeah, and he's still yeah. with us, which is the point. So he 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 comes at the end of the swords and sorcery, you know, the 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 mm-hmm. orthodox kind of like swords and sorcery sort of um writers um uh period. But he, yeah, he's very different in some ways, or he he reflects his times. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, his characters still having an impact on, on fantasy writers today, very much. Yes. Uh, when we look at we look at some of the very popular series that are being developed, and I don't mean the the Tolkien esque one, but the other ones, uh, we we do see uh, a lot of uh, interesting ideas that originate, I guess, in in some way from in Tolkien's work. And I'm yeah, I'm, I'm referring to Elric and, and and these cover characters, but uh, again, very, very quick, quick, high, uh, quick paced, fast paced writer, um, mm-hmm. able to evoke ideas and, and uh, suggest things, uh, suggest lots of backstory within short pieces, uh, you know, like a, a page or a page and a half or something, and and then he's moving on to the next idea. Um, and of course, Breakfast in the Ruins is the guy to 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 listen to the podcast to listen to if you want to hear more. Definitely, uh, excellent, excellent podcast. I, I I I'm actually a patron of theirs. But, you know, great show. And and, and that's the if you, so if you're worried about reading these older works, there are new works being published right now. Moorcock, of course, is you, you know definitely left to center as far as politics goes. But when we look at the you know, there's sword and sorcery magazines. There are current magazines, like like I mentioned, Tales of Magician Skull. There there are other ones out there. You know, Whetstone, which is free online magazine. There are a number of different ma- magazines out there, be- and and sword and sword yeah, sword and sorcery stories being published today. You w- so it has the modern 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 moral compass in there, but still these evocative tales, you, you know, of adventure and all this. So if 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 people you know really don't want to read the the older stories for whatever reason they can still enjoy sword and sorcery because it's still being written it's still being crafted as we speak which is great it's a it's a genre that's alive that's interesting yeah and i i do need to pick up on that yeah i need to start reading speaking we're going to talk about oh well speaking yeah speaking speaking of of genres that are alive let's talk about the osr (laughs) yeah so and in, in some ways it shares a lot of the a lot of the burdens, uh, burden. Oh God, uh, <laughs> it, it shares some of the um, some of the topics, some of the uh, notoriety. Notor- you help me. You notoriety. Help me words today. Yeah, notoriety. notoriety. Thank yep. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, I haven't finished my coffee. Notoriety of of uh, of those old swords and sorcery 
magazines. Um, and in some ways, it's fair. Mm -hmm. Some of the criticism is fair, but I think sure. a lot of the criticism sort of becomes a thing unto itself, and, and it's not. It, it sort of it stops reflecting or referring back to the item that it's supposed to be criticizing, and becomes a becomes a becomes divorced from the item, and it, and it becomes just a sort of like a meme. Really, it takes mm -hmm. a life of its own, and um, so. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of books here today. I do have quite a lot of SAR rule books, more than I'll tend to play. <laughs> but um, I've got a couple here that are really important to me. Um, is there anything that you you uh, yourself actually? Because you you're not really like a huge OSR man, are you? You're more like I... old school. Yeah, I'm old more school old school person. to be honest. I I don't get me Probably wrong. I, I played Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition last night. We're, you know, we're going through Salt Marsh and we uh, assaulted the uh, a pirate ship and it turned out very badly because we had a a horrible plan. We we decided to climb up the 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 anchor and <laughs> climb up the anchor chain, which amazingly nobody fell off of. But but the so so we climb up the anchor chain and my thief, well he's a he's a magic user thief elf. And and so he had and, and we're using the book that shall be not named on Earth Arcana. And, and so I use the hide cantrip, which puts a it, it hides you from somebody looking straight at you. It doesn't do anything from the from the sides or the back. And, and so he does this hide cantrip and he and he was successfully moves silently. He's edging around the edge, keeping his front towards a single guy on the foredeck there. And then the druid comes up and he has charm person. So the druid comes up on the deck. And the druid is supposed to charm this sailor up on the top deck. And then the, our magic user as sleep spell is going to get on the deck and cast it on whoever's down, you know, in the main part of the boat. And so unfortunately the magic user comes up quicker than he was supposed to. And the guy sees them. He doesn't see my thief and he, he sees the, the druid. And before the druid can get a spell off, because it's a four segment spell, the, and the, the sailor had a, load a crossbow he, he shoots the druid so ruins charm person the mage just decides to run and do the sleep spell not help <laughs> i rolled a six for my attack roll for the backstab so i totally flubbed that <laughs> we, we we ended up actually handling things pretty well i ended up, there's a archer in the crow's nest i had to climb up there i used burning hands to set the crow's nest on fire and, and slid mm -hmm. down uh, but then some spoilers for salt marsh but some lizard men and it came out of the hold and, and attacked us. And finally we got overpowered. A bunch of us got captured. Um, a couple of the, the player characters dove off the boat and swam to, to the boat. We showed up on and, and, and escaped. But now the group has to decide, are we going to, are the couple characters that escaped going to make new pirate characters? And are we all going to join the pirate crew or are all of us that got captured? Cause there's like four player characters that are prisoners right now in the pirate ship. Or, or are we going to make secondary characters and then join the original party to go back and try to help them out? But it's it's a this lot of fun. Funny. Yeah, we we this play is funny because um, we're in the same position. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm playing the same adventure, but for fifth edition, believe it okay. or not. Yeah, uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. So definitely not old school, but the adventure feels very old school. Still using the same system, which is 
maybe a point that we can return to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we had to stop just as the lizard men came out of the hole. Uh, and we've missed the missed the past uh, a few few sessions. Um, one occasion, actually, I had to call it off the day before. Um, so sorry to sorry to the uh, DM for that. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's funny. We're playing the same adventure, and we're at pretty much the same point. But uh, it's going funny. pretty badly for us as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> we came on board pretending to be the uh, the the um, yeah the other party on, the smugglers. On the yeah, the yeah, smugglers. The smugglers yeah. Um, but they they knew something was afoot, so we ended up having to sort of like jump on board, and then my character's been knocked over the side like two or three times mm-hmm. because of the you know way yeah. things work. <laughs> yeah, we, we we've been lucky enough to use we we were able to use the overbearing rules and the hand to hand combat rules in AD and D first edition, which are interesting. Which even goes so far to take the height and weight of the combatants in 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 account and all. Um, but so mm-hmm. that so, so our GM for this campaign, it's a every other week campaign is mw the world's mw lewis podcast who also is yeah. part of the grog talk nation or the grog talk empire i should say um yeah, so. who who actually played with i played with uh, in a text adventure that's right yeah you, yeah he's in he, yeah he joined that text adventure after i had to drop out of it so that's excellent that was that was quite a so that so you are old school you are more old school than anything um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a little diversion, wasn't it? I am it? as well, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 I mean, I, I enjoy there's all something those... about. There's a connection. I think they connect together. There's a mm-hmm. there's, um, something that the old school, the OSR, the old school rules do to support or or, or to to get, keep those old school games um, very much alive in the you know today. Um, so so that they're, they're not two different things. I think they are. I, I think they are separate. I, mm-hmm. I don't think AD and D is old school, uh, an OSR game. Let's say that. I don't think these original games are OSR. I think that's an uh, incorrect way of using the term, um, um, and that may seem odd to some people. But I, there's people who still play these games, right? And yeah. who have always played them, and they're not. It's not a revival for them. And um, they're old school. I, I think the OSR is 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 a movement it's a historical movement about uh, and it's about creating these uh creating work now in an old with an old school school aesthetic uh, and old school rules that brings back that time that brings back a certain way of playing the game makes it available uh, to people so uh, for me that's what it is it's something that sh- it's happening, or it happened after the 2000s, you know, after third edition came out. But it, it's also something that's happening now because it's still necessary to bridge that gap because we don't have first edition rules coming out officially anymore, obviously. So for me, that's right. what the old school renaissance is. So it's a, yeah, it's a, a DIY or small kind of semi-professional um, movement that, that tries to bridge the gap. Um, between the old way games were played um, and make them yeah make 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 it still relevant those games are relevant today I, I I think that's a definitely as good a definition as any I, I would I, I wonder if if it's still if the revival's not done and we haven't moved slightly past that we have 
Although, I mean, none of these companies supporting this are, are anywhere near the size of Wizards of the Coast or Chaosium or anything like that, right? But you, you, you've you got a, a fairly new player on on the scene. I think Gavin Norman's been around for a little while. You know, he had BX Essentials before and all. But now OSC has really taken the OSR world by storm, right? It, when we're talking right. OSR as far as rules-wise. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, yep. Is that the advanced or the regular? Uh, oh, this is the just the regular. Tome. He's holding up the tomb, the the rules tomb. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have. I've I have got that. the advanced cells in yeah. separate volumes. But, but now OSC has almost become the new standard. So we even we have other manufacturers doing Kickstarters to redo their rules, com- OSC compatible. You know where once things came out as Labyrinth Lord compatible, and then they came out as Swords and Wizardry compatible. Now OSC is the you know the new. Um, the, the new hotness and, and and OSC is everything's coming out OSC compatible now. That, that's almost right. the new standard, right? Which, funny enough, o, OSC is just BX. It's just Mulvey Cook BX. You, you, now is. with the advanced rules and all, it's different. A little, there's new things added, but the core of it is BX, right? Yeah, and, and for for you uh, and perhaps for me, for some of us, I think the the original layout of basic expert rules, the original layout of the first edition. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons book is already accessible for the most part. It's it's very accessible. It's very familiar to us. But um, I think just because of practice, I I think um yeah. to to be fair, I I much prefer the original Mulvey Basic um, Cook Expert to the OSC presentation. But a lot of that is I like the older art much better. I like the examples yeah. in the original books. <laughs> I like the play examples. I but honestly is a look up and as a reference thing OSE is better laid out i i've got more muscle memory and turning pages to to find things right um yes. we play ad and d first edition and try to play it rules as written almost as a challenge it's a nostalgia thing and it's almost a challenge thing more than right. it's the best rules for the job right yeah it's no i think i think um osric and uh Osric does this as well. I think Osric mm-hmm. is a brilliant, brilliant uh, system. Um, and now what it, what Osric and Old School Essentials do that the originals don't do is they, they lay out the rules in a way that somebody who knows how to play role-playing games already but is not familiar with the Old School can immediately jump in there and see how it all fits together. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, Osric puts the rules, lays them out in a very similar way to the original um, AD&D. But it combines the players, the dungeon masters, and the monster manual, and a few other areas. But it it lays out the rules, and in a way that makes a lot more sense, and it puts them all together. So when we're talking about combat, um, the combat rules are are somewhat house ruled. They're mm-hmm. not exactly the same as what appears in the original rules, but right. they're laid out in a way that um, you could pick this up, and you would be playing first edition D and D. You'd be playing Osric style but it is very much still ad and d and you could then move on to an ad and d table when you'd be sit with a few exceptions you'd be playing exactly the same game you know you might write the tables there's a few differences in the figures and stuff like that but um you would know how to play the game and you could probably pick up the any differences very quickly Mm -hmm. and i think so that's the power of these books that it makes the old school uh accessible to to people 
even those who may have played it in the past, but didn't really know how the rules worked. They, they open up a player's manual, you know, AD&D first edition, they play, open up the player's handbook, and they're like, oh, I don't understand this. I've got players the same <laughs> at my table. We were saying, I just don't understand how the rules work. Um, um, and, and, and that's it's just fair. Not written like that. It's not written like that. It's not a book that is, that AD&D is not a core rules system. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't understand that you don't you only have this kind of real kind of core rules coming in after the first edition you know with second edition there you've got the rules laid out in a very uh, user-friendly manner but AD&D is advanced Dungeons and Dragons it already assumes you know how to play D&D or this is it, something it, new this is a this is additional right. rules yeah yeah or, reference and it says not on the front it says for reference mm-hmm it, or it assumes that you're being taught the game, right? Yes, you, yes, you know how to play, yes. or you're being taught. So it's not AD and D was not never written to for somebody to pick up and learn how to play from those books. Right. It, it's assuming you've been initiated in somehow, and and then you pick up these books. Uh, so there are people, there are people um, who who like, like Joe Richter, who even if he doesn't believe this, he'll he'll use it, he'll bring up the argument whereby. He'll say something like, um, um, you know, this game, these games, when when we take the OSR, here we go, uh, when we pick up the OSR, we're looking at modern concepts of how old school games were played. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a criticism, right? That actually the games weren't played like that. And, and in a way, that's kind of fair because... We can't look at AD and D, for example, or even um, original D and D, and really figure out exactly how it's supposed to be played from the way which it is presented in the rules. But we can, we can through talking to people, and we can through going to you know things like White Box, um, fantastic medieval adventure game. We can pick this up, and for the most part, we can say, "Oh, all right, this is one interpretation." of original Dungeons and Dragons and you can then go back to your original Dungeons and Dragons and, and sort of piece it together you cannot do that directly from the source text and that, I, I guess yeah that leads people sometimes to to either say that well we don't really know how the game was played and people probably played it in many different ways which is no doubt true or that they played it as a war game and never role played which is another thing which is uh, I know from experience is absolutely wrong <laughs> from first-hand experience playing those games back in the day um but yeah i mean the, the, it's um one of the roles i guess of the osr is to yeah we're, we're looking back at something and we're presenting that it's in a new fashion now it's being presented from 20 30 years later down the road maybe more right mm-hmm. um but that's okay i think um and i don't think that that is a revision it's not a kind of revisionist way of approaching these old games because i think those old games were played in this manner the exact manner that we would have, would have been played would have been very different probably table to table because we did we did not have that unite beyond conventions and i would never have been able to attend gen con right beyond those conventions and and, and some magazines we really didn't know how other groups and other towns or even down the street would have been playing the same game, right? And it's only when you come together that, or you read a magazine, then you you had that 
sort of connection. So, yeah, um, that's the difference, I guess, between today. And I think that's the role that the OSR, one of the roles, though, it's not the only role the OSR has, but I, th I think it's acceptable to play straight out of the book. And there's a couple of people who do actually play Osric, which I think is, is excellent. Um, and some of them are younger. Um, so that's exciting, you know, and then they can just go on to first edition AD&D if they wanted to, you know, if they wanted those books, they can use those books as references, which is what they originally were intended for. Yeah, it's interesting. I think one thing, and I don't know if, you know, how deep we want to get into this, but, you know, the more I think about it, AD&D really is the outlier, right? Even though back in the day, everybody moved very quickly to AD&D. Because it's advanced, obviously, we want to play the advanced game. We don't want to play the kiddie game, right? But Or we intermixed them or whatever. But, but AD&D was the, the standard game, you, you know, really. You had these other editions right. out there. But, I mean, people might not move to it, but for a lot of people, they moved on to AD&D. But when we think about these games, and we think about the, and we, and we talk OSR and a lot, and, and the culture is built up around OSR, Rules light, however you, you want to define that, is pretty much the standard and what people look at. You know, rulings over rules, rules light, all this kind of thing. But AD&D doesn't really fit into that. I mean, you can do it doesn't. You, you can do rulings over rules AD&D, definitely. But AD&D very much, especially, maybe not Osric, but when we look at the, the core of the book, especially once you add in the Wilderness Survival Guide and Dungeoners, it tries to give you a rule to cover every eventuality, right? It obviously can't cover everything, but AD&D is a really, uh, now I'm using terms, but a head, a, it's a pretty co comprehensive set of rules. It is. It yeah. is he it's, he it's pretty it's heavy. heavy. There's a yeah, lot it's, of Yeah, Marty McFly would say it's rules. pretty heavy, right? It's, yeah. 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 Um, so is, it's, is it, I mean, nobody can deny it, it. it's in there and it's one of the fundamental games and, and one of the foundational games, right? Because it was. But is AD&D really a little bit beyond what what you know because osr looks most of it looks more to lighter games it is it kind of right there on the edge you know or is it maybe a little beyond is it something a little different i wonder which i mean all is just theoretical you, you know yeah. we're just talking but um well it's 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 uh it's odd in the same sense that castles and crusades is odd for mm -hmm. example yeah you know mm -hmm. in that you know castles and crusades isn't really uh it's not a so we have these terms like we're thrown around like retro clones and osr and and this perceived to be some kind of close uh overlap um right between those terms but in fact they're, they're quite different and um you know it, it's osric is a is a is a funny one um, because the rules are much more complicated castles and crusades doesn't really fit in either because it's not actually emulating anything specific right. it, it's it's D, D as it might have been mm -hmm. under the different management um which is fascinating um it's a little bit less complicated it takes away some of the complications of uh osric of ad and d but right. still builds on some of the concepts, but it brings it back to a more a kind of simplified structure that is closer to BX or something, perhaps, right? Right. Um, and when you talk to the founder or the founders, I mean, nobody's, but when you talk to the people that were there at the beginning of the OSR, your, your Matt Finch's folks like that, they all acknowledge it castles and crusades. 
They, you know, Chaos Crusades is one of the games that's always mentioned by the people that were there at the beginning. So it, it can't just be brushed aside. Oh, that's not part of this movement. Because, because it's a great game. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah a, it's a great game. Engine never, is a really I've good never engine. Yeah, I, I've read it. <laughs> I've I haven't played, played it. it. Um, but well, it's like uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, right? Dungeon Crawl Classics isn't. Yeah, it, if anything, right, it's a right, third right. edition chassis, right? But right, it's which I've it's had people new. fight me. It, it's really something new. It's its own thing because, because Joseph yeah. Goodman went went and he read everything in the appendix N of AD and D, or I, I think he actually read every book in there, and, and then he he made a game that those books, you, you know, they, they inspired him to write. And Dungeon Crawl Classics, you know, to me actually. You know, we talk. I love the old games. I, I love the old school games. But if I was going to play a D twenty fantasy game, Dungeon Crawl Classics is my favorite version of that. Now, if I'm playing Sword and Sorcery, it might be Barbarians Lemuria or something like that. But I'll tell you what the the Lankmar version of Dungeon Crawl Classics is an excellent Sword and Sorcery game. It the Lankmar, yeah, their Lankmar stuff really captures that that world. It, it's well worth if you haven't checked it out. It's worth checking out. It's very good. Okay. Yeah. Another and another uh, great swords and sorcery writer as well. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Sleeper or Liber. Mm. Liber. Yeah. Liber's amazing. Um, Fafra and the Gray Mouser. I mean, those are very fundamental stories. Very, you, you know, again, foundational stories. But now the OSR is an interesting duck, right? It's be, because you have you don't have a solid definition. So we have everything from Troika and Into the Odd and well, the Black Hack to it is, OSC. Yeah. Yeah, but what it is 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 this it, the fact that you've got the OGL, and I'm I'm not really that up on these things, so forgive me if I get anything wrong. But you've got this OGL, the um, the the open gaming license, is mm -hmm. it open gaming yep. license? Um, and for, suddenly it's almost like D and D is common property of all, right? Well, with, um, with with certain restrictions, right? With certain <laughs> restrictions, yeah. but it's not really. It's uh, if you if you tread on certain names, you could be in trouble. But the OGL, in fact, I don't even know if you need the OGL written down actually anymore. Well, um, so that's, there you go. You could get in trouble, but definitely, if you have it written down, you're 100 percent safe. But I think a lot of these things are beyond copyright now. Um, yeah, I. I think it, it's interesting. So both. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to them. And dear listener, if you haven't had a chance to listen to them, hopefully there'll be a link in the show notes for this. But there's a podcast called The Red Caps Podcast by Kevin. Oh, yeah. He's up in Canada. And he's recently done, he's gotten interviews with a ton of influential OSR people, including Chris Gonerman of the Basic Fantasy Role-Playing Game and Matt Finch. And both of them commented on this. And both of them said they believe a lot of these modern games are playing too loose of the OGL and while they don't think there'll be legal action, they think they're putting th themselves in legal jeopardy by not yes by not yes, being yes, more yes. careful with hewing to the OGL. Matt Finch talks about in the interview, it's a great interview, how he very much thought he was going to be sued with Osric and with Swords mm -hmm. and Wizardry. He he was ready to be sued. And and in fact, he talks about why Osric was published the way it was, because of they, they were sure they were going to be sued over it. Right, so that's, that 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 makes sense of why he changed a lot of the values. Because yeah, well, the, yeah, that's why you have a single saving throw. Yeah, in copyright. Um, well, oh, and George, oh, 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 yeah, and Osric too. They changed things. So I'm thinking Stuart yeah. Marshall's Osric. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you can see differences. Well, mm -hmm. intentional differences. Right. For for example, uh, you know, eighteen one hundred strength is actually nineteen strength. 
in, mm-hmm. in Osnabrück, right. which was it's like, why would you do that? Well, I, I suspect that part of it is that if you, it's okay to have all the parts in there. It's okay for a book to have use use words that are used in another book with words. Mm-hmm. The problem is when the degree of similarity between those two books, the well, kind well, of way even the way words the ta- are put together. Yeah, even the way uh, the tables are structured. It is, yes, yeah, is yeah, structure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And tables work like that. So if if you get something like the phone directory, right? Mm-hmm. The phone directory is protected by copyright, but the way the details in the phone directory are obviously common, uh, commonly uh, sort of common property. Um, you need words, you need these numbers to operate society. So they 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 themselves are not protected, but it's the the layout of the phone book. Right. And again, it's an alphabetical phone book. So how how can you pr- protect that? So there's certain aspects, there's certain things in the phone book which are protected, and certain things which are not. Now, of course, the, the phone book isn't really something we use very much these days. So it's probably a bad analogy. <laughs> yeah, readers may not know. No. Uh, Matt Finch mentions that he he mentions that the Stewart became the primary author of Osric because they were so sure they were going to be sued, and the and the legalities are different in England than they are in the U.S. And they felt Stewart Stewart would be safer if that when that lawsuit came, they felt he would have more legal protections in England because of the way copyright law works over there compared to the way and trademark law works over there compared to the way it works in the U.S. So it, it's a really great interview. It, it, it's definitely worth worth checking out um the yeah i yeah, missed that one i think I might yeah, have yeah, you listened to that one yet yeah, yeah i've listened it, it, to it's chris pretty great interview. Mm-hmm. Chris interview. no no and notice he's very yeah. careful never to mention D D or or tsr chris gonerman he, he yeah. won't mention the name because he's you know he's not going to put it which you know basic fantasy we should mention as well because it's also an odd duck in the osr because it's not a, a, clo- a quote-unquote clo- yeah it's no it's not a copy of any specific game it's a, it's well, a game that kind of embraces all these and you can use it you can take any module for you, you know Mulvey basic or mincer basic or holmes <clears throat> basic you can take any of those modules and run them with basic fantasy without a problem but it's not a copy of any of those rules you know it's its own thing this is why i brought up the ogl because the, the osr it, it is linked to the OGL in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least let's work with that. It's closely linked, either historically or by the fact that all the games use this license to to develop something from it, from the original right. rules, right? And 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 so you've got you've got games that that um, the, the so called retros that that are trying to simulate games that were out of print at a time. Or they restructure, restructure. They reiterate the rules of games, old games mm-hmm. uh, that may now be in print or may you know may not, right? Um, so that's things like Swords and Wizardry, um, which is kind of you know moving out, out a little bit away from the rules there in my mind. But mm-hmm. um, you've got old school essentials. You've got uh, Osric and, and Labyrinth Lord, all these things, um, White Box. You've got games like Castles and Crusades. That are building something new on the chassis. Right? It's a new game. It's a new edition. It's it's not an old old school game, mm-hmm. but it but it, it it's linked much more closely to the old school games of like first second edition Dungeons and Dragons than than third edition Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so there's actually a, a smoother transition between those rules, 
and there's a certain level of compatibility almost but i mean if i open up the monster manual for castles and crusades the stats are very similar to second uh, first edition or second edition dnd almost you know there are differences in the way that rules work a bit but you can kind of use the stats of a first edition uh, uh, game uh, and apply that to castles and crusades and back what? and forward i think yeah and i think that's core to the osr and i think that's where and and i'm not big on putting we need to call this this you know put this label on these games and this label on these games and this game is definitely a new osr and you osr game and this one's not but you you know especially back in the day in the g plus days because i was around during those days and you know interacted some not to any kind of major degree i was was lucky enough to get involved in um editing with some with some products and whatnot but the or not editing that's not true uh more proofreading i should say proofreading some products but the but anyway the but back then the idea was it was all semi-compatible. So if you wanted to take part from one game, you could easily plug it into the other game. Or if somebody published a module, you could run it with any of the games. And and once you hit games like the Black Hack, and you hit games like Into the Odd, and you hit some of these other games, the Glog games and things, you, you can't easily, without doing at least some conversion in your mind, run, you know, straight across. You, you know, where you could take... I mean, really, you could take a, a module written for OSE and run it with pretty much any of the original games or any of these other, you know, Labyrinth Lord or any, or you know. And, and I think that base compatibility, you know, rough compatibility, you know, was there in the beginning. And some of these games do move away from that a little bit. They keep the feel, very much keep the feel and keep the idea, like Matt Finch's primer, you know, the, the, the ascent, the, you know the game style play style he talks about in there they keep all that but you know the mechanics change enough that you do need to do a little bit of work to make the games you know to make the modules work right um so i think that is a, a change that we saw and, and i'd have to look back to tell you when that happened but in the early days that wasn't an issue so much you, you know um i mean it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just a thing you, you know and but yeah. but I think that's the dividing point a, a lot of the people see with the OSR. And it's not that they don't want to... Ex it, a lot of the people... Oh, look at Rob over down the heap. He likes Into the Odd quite a bit. But he he doesn't consider OSR because he can't... To, his personal definition is he can take a module and run it without doing... Without having to convert monsters on the fly or having... you know, And he can't really do that with Into the Odd. So that's why he kind of separates it out as a slightly separate category, like OSR Jason category. Um, yeah. Oh, and I've got, you can see the yellow monstrosity in the corner here. Yeah, yeah, I can. Listen, yeah. I can't, but you can mm -hmm. see there's these odd black and yellow spine. That's obviously Merkburg. Mm -hmm. how, how are we supposed to? Merkburg. Yeah. Um, uh, and is that, it's an old, seems like an old school game to me, the way it reads, some of the, but it's very, it's moving away from the rules. Mm -hmm. it's Mechanically. away yeah. from, from Dungeons and Dragons into new territory. Sure. Uh, but, but I guess it is OSR in a sense. I think it falls in there somewhere. I don't know how you feel about that. But no, again, I, well, I agree. That's, books, and that's it? where it's tough, right? And, and that kind of falls right back. Yeah, that fits right in what I was saying, the, the idea are the, so 
it, it's going to come down to each person's definition. I would not if so somebody showed up and said, hey, I'm enjoying the OSR. We're playing my group's playing Morkborg. You know, I, I think if we try to tell them, well, that's not really OSR, you know, all, all you're doing is being a, you know, yeah. you know you, yeah. you're pushing people away. That's crazy. You, you know, they need, hey, that's great. I'm glad you're playing. How's it going? You know, and, and we should be welcome and encouraging. The, I, to me, that is it still OSR? I mean, if you go to the idea that OSR kind of follows the ideas and Matt Finch's stuff, you know, primer, then sure. It, it definitely is. But I think that's where it gets tough because when we start separating things out, well, that's not really OSR. That's OSR adjacent. Then you, you start getting to the point where people might get turned off. You know, they're yeah. really excited yeah. about something. To, well, that's not really what you're doing. Meaningless. It, it, yeah. It's kind of meaningless. It's yeah. self-destructive as well because yes. like, if you're saying that the OSR has to be close, closely emulate the original rules, then, well, why not just play the original rules? And uh, we, because, we, which I've said print, myself, right? they're in print now. They're in print now, which you haven't yeah. said yourself, right? Yeah. But but if we if we take this different definition, this broader definition, whereby mm -hmm. the OSR is has a lot of functions, and it it, it helps uh, teach uh, game play style, and it helps teach sorry um, teach the old school games uh, like real old school games of, of D and D and so on, old mm -hmm. D and D. Uh, but it also uh, allows people to use those rules uh, for those who don't want to use the original rules. It, 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 it also adapts the rules, shows how um, uh, home rules can be can be created, you know, based on the basic principles of D and D, and how how different play tables can have very different uh, interpretations of the rules. And it also says we can completely throw everything out and create new rules. Mm -hmm. Which is what was happening back in the, in the day as well. This is why we have RuneQuest and, and other games. Yeah, tunnels and trolls. Tunnels and trolls exists because Ken Saint Andre. Yeah, he got a, a he got school, original yeah, he, D D. Yeah, he got original D D, and he said, "I I like the idea here, but I can't make heads or tails of these rules. I'm going to write rules that I can understand." <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and that's where we got tunnels and trolls, right? So and, that's 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 um so if. If OSR incorporates all those different things, um, and also incorporates an idea that no, you know, hey, you know, I, I don't want to give up this rule set. I want to mm -hmm. keep on producing material for, it, and I want it to keep on developing, but based on the same core system. We we have things like uh, Pathfinder first mm -hmm. edition, um, and that allows you this old school Renaissance. Also allows you to do that. This OGL the this kind of uh, ethos. And so, yeah, why not? You could throw Pathfinder in there as well. It's definitely old school now. <laughs> well, first uh, edition is, right? Like, you know, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe of Hindsightless Podcast really happy because suddenly, yeah, it's a big, broad um, movement. Um, well, you, well, you had two companies. meaning? I don't think so. No, I, no, I don't think it hurts anything. I, I really don't. I, I, think I think that's the, the original intent was to to look at the rules and create content, create yeah. content based on what's gone before. And, and yeah. that's what the, the communities. Yeah. yeah. The community has always been very DIY, right? It's, it's cause you know, originally, you know, before G plus and during the G plus days, blogging was the big thing. It wasn't so much the podcast as it was the blogging and mm -hmm. the, 
the creating of content and putting up blog posts and, you know, house rules and different hacks and different monsters and spells and traps and magic items and people publishing adventures. And that was the, you, you know, that DIY aspect was so huge. And that's why, even though like, like ICRPG and, and what Runehammer is doing, what Hankerin's doing over there isn't OSR, and, and he'll tell you he's not OSR, but a lot of the mentality there that, hey, we're going to try something different. I'm going to, you know, we're, we're going to DIY this and house rule that. In some ways, it really, it's, it also fits in the spirit. It's like, you know, Che Webster feels that he's not OSR and feels alienated from the OSR community because he enjoys GURPS. But the way he runs GURPS, when you look at, you know, his GMing thoughts and then you look at Matt Finch's OSR primer, Che is very much OSR, you, you, you know? in his GM style and, and, and the way he likes to play games. So we, so we need to be careful not to exclude people, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, so there we go. So the OSR is not, if it's an old school revival or a naissance, it's, it doesn't have to be the old school games that are being revived. It could be the, this old school mentality, the ethos, the idea of, of, yeah, you can buy stuff. There's a lot of stuff available and you can sell stuff, but but you can also create stuff. So mm-hmm. um, you can organize into communities and those communities will not be, um, res- they're not responding. They're not um, under the authority of any particular <laughs> individual or company necessarily, right? Uh, there are a lot of different organizations that can form together and, and, and they can create magazines, they can create fanzines. That's why we're seeing so much material coming out still today. It's that, we're going back to that point where you don't necessarily wait to see what the man is going to create. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, what the corporation, the big corporation, is going to create. You you create it yourself, um, and they've pretty much recognised this. The big companies, the, the Chaosium and Hasbro, you know, Watsi, um, they recognise that the real creators of content are not themselves, but those what well, and they've in a very corporate way they've now created yes they've created yeah, they've, ways like, yeah for like dm's guild or mm-hmm. chaosium has the johnstown compendium and other things right um there's there's one for call of cthulhu as well whereby people are, are creating a huge amount of content so there's much more content available from from that that's kind of officially recognized but it's not actually you know uh, it's not really really official <laughs> But it, it's there, you know, it's under their label and they're allowing people to create this under certain licenses. Um, and then there's other people who just create stuff anyway and they, they just, you know, and make it a fr- freely available or whatever. Right. So it, it's exciting times in that, yeah, we've, we've now got this technology which they didn't have in the 70s or early 80s. But, uh, and so anybody can create that magazine that up, up and coming magazine like we do with flipping and turning mm-hmm. zine for first edition D&D we can do that um, and in fact we can we can connect with people who were writing for stuff back in the 70s and 80s uh, and you know people like um, Lou Pulsifer and I, I, I can write an article and it, my article will be next to his article in a the, in the magazine right. the magazine's free and anybody can pick it up. And we're just doing this because we like the hobby. We like we enjoy the hobby, uh, and we can share that. And it doesn't cost anybody a penny. And that's a, something we've forgotten to refer to 
really important alongside the DIY is that it can be free mm-hmm. or it can be very, very uh, low, low cost, low entry, uh, which is something that um, unfortunately, you know, uh, the latest editions of certain games don't do. It's not, it's not accessible. They, they talk so much about accessibility and inclusivity, but if, if the things that you're producing cost a, a day's income for some people in the world, um, then you're not being inclusive at all. Uh, so I think the old school rules, and we should include the indie, indie people here. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, they 100%. At all. They, they, they fulfill a, uh, a similar function and need in society to produce entertainment written by people for people that doesn't it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg you can enjoy yourself you can um entertain yourselves and have interactions with other people without well without spending a huge amount of money and i think that's um as soon as you take money out the equation money money's important don't get me wrong you know but we have that every day every minute of our lives we work by the clock Right, I'm sick of money, so it's nice to come out away from those things occasionally, and meet people just like as we are doing now, uh, and and connect on something and laugh and tell stories and stuff like that. And we know human beings have been doing this forever, right? And that's part of the magic of this hobby, right? Yeah. That that you can imagine, you can share stories, you can roll dice, you can be surprised by sudden things. Certain numbers coming up, you know, certain certain combinations of things uh, together. You can share that, and it will not cost you a penny because you can decide how you engage with this hobby, and and whether you are able to make something free or not. So, you know, some things we can't make free. We need the job. We need the money coming in because we we need to afford whatever it is in our lives, you know, that <laughs> keeps us alive. But but there's a, there's a point where, well, hey, you know, I've got, I don't need to charge for something, then I can put that up, bang, and uh, share it around. Um, and, and we see that, I mean, that's Chris Goneman's idea as far as basic fantasy rules, role-playing game, is based on the idea that they're not really making money they're not they're not trying right. to make money they're trying to keep it uh, as uh as open as possible um and that's that's um really really exciting really it, exciting it, it is and it's you, you know you, this is something that rob conley over bat in the attic games who who does the well it, it's not majestic waterlands anymore because he doesn't he's done with his license with judges guild but you know, he's actually the one that broke the store in Judge's Guild with the bad behavior of the current people. But anyway, he, he is, but Rob's been around for a long, long time. And he has some excellent, excellent products out there, including free products. But one of his tenets is that OSR is free, not everything 100% free, but that giving free content out and the idea of this, you know, sharing of ideas and, and all this. And we look at, most of these people, especially the early ones, you know, basic fantasy, you know, swords and wizardry, there has been free editions forever. Lamentations of Flame Princes, there's a free version out there. OSC, there's a free version out there. There, you know, these games, 
it, or like you say, you can get into this hobby provided, you know, for the cost of the electricity to power up your device to get online and maybe printing costs if you want to print it out. You, you can get in the hobby for those, th- you know, those costs without, you know, sending any money to Amazon or sending any money to drive through RPG or anywhere else without buying a PDF or without buying a physical book. You can get in this hobby and get everything you need to play, you, you know, and it's great. And and I think the OSR is like you say, and the indie games because they definitely fit in here. You know, they're yeah, they're they on, over on itch.io where they they kind of congregate a lot of those over on itch. But you, you know, and the interesting thing, what I like a lot is a lot of these, and we're saying indie publishers, but you know, the smaller publishers do, and and some of these newer publishers either have free copies that they'll give out where they'll do reduced cost copies for people with economic disadvantage, you, you know, or they'll have X number of free copies they'll get, give out as well. And hopefully that, you know, people that could afford to buy a copy aren't snagging up these, you know, lower cost copies. But I know like Runehammer, if you reach out to, and, and I know he's not really OSR per se, but, and he considered him DIY, but if, but, but if you're stuck and reach out, he'll send you a copy of the stuff. You, you know, a PDF yeah. of his stuff. And a lot of these it doesn't surprise, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. A lot of these companies do that kind of thing. You know, they're, they're, they're really good people. I mean, it, it's like the early days of Kickstarter when it was just the little guy kickstarting stuff. There's at least two projects I was involved or not involved in, but I backed that the project didn't fund, but the creator still sent out the PDF of what they had to, to those of us that backed their project, even though they didn't get any money out of it is a thank you for showing, you know, support for what they wanted to do so i don't know that you get that anymore in kickstarter but that same kind of mentality is still around in the osr that you know thank you to my fans and thank you to the people that are supporting what i'm trying to do to the fans and and to a lot of these creators where this is a a hobby and it's a, a side thing getting the feedback from the people that enjoy their products is just as important to them as any money is if not more Right. So I think it's good. Take. I don't think we need to go into talk about the problematic elements of the the OSR because I think they've already get too much. They get too much talk time everywhere. Um, and I saw something a comment yesterday which was very much putting down. It seems that the OSR blah blah blah. You know, it wasn't even it is, but it, it, this person had heard of. Mm-hmm. So. We, we we hear a lot of bad things about the OSR and there are individuals who I haven't I, I won't mention and I won't mention their works uh, um, just because I think they they enjoy courting that that kind of uh oh 100 percent yeah they do um, yeah and I don't need if they're gonna make controversy to 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 publicize themselves then I don't really need to publicize them because <laughs> uh-huh. they're doing it anyway um so yeah there, there are these bad people it's just like again returning to the swords and sorcery that we talked about at the beginning of the thing uh it, it's a, it's a it's a messy messy genre and old school uh role playing games and old school this and and the, the these novels old novels um but from that chaos what you do with that chaos there's a certain freedom within that chaos that can be abused and but it can also liberate and now it's up to you how you do that how you respond how you use these materials um who who you interact with um it's a very punk sort of a, a approach perhaps maybe it's a little bit alien 
to some people, younger people today, but I don't think it need be. I think it's quite a, a human uh, way of looking at stuff. Um, and yeah, so I'm not going to talk about those <laughs> negative sides, but I, I would say, yeah, that it's it's cool that the stuff is there. You can you can pick up this material. This is inclusive. This is if you are a young person, um, no matter what how you identify uh, in terms of uh, race, mm -hmm. religion, or any other of these aspects, you can pick up these rules and you can twist them and turn them, and make them into your own thing. It will be free, uh, and it will be yours. Um, and uh, what more can you say? So, um, I think that punk—I don't think people talk about it—but the, the, the some of these sort of punk um, ideas buried into the indie scene uh, and the OSR scene. Mm -hmm. The idea of DIY, the idea of freedom, not having a central authority. Um, yeah, there can be negative things arise from that, but. On the whole, hey, you know, get get out there and make your thing and, and, and do it and associate with the people that you think are worth associating with. Oh, a hundred percent. And and that's something you, you're going to bump up against nodheads in the OSR, and you're going to bump up against nodheads in other aspects of role playing games too. You, you know, we see that, and even in the, you, you know, if you go to Powered by the Apocalypse, there were very famous people involved in certain aspects of that that turned out to you know have some major issues in games they were running yeah. you know without yes yes so so you know these problems happen throughout role playing as general because we're all people so you know people are flawed we're all flawed mm -hmm. in some way or another and some people you know so so it's it's going to be a little bit of that everywhere but you know don't believe everything you read check it out for yourself and if you do bump into a bad apple and say something, because, you, you know, one thing I've noticed with the OSR and, and, and is nice is when you get one of these knotheads pop up that, you know, put a Twitter post out with some kind of racist comment or something, the rest of the OSR very quickly rises up against them. It, there's, you know, you know it, there's no, you know, manufacturer from, you know, from companies to individuals to, you, you know, creators to whatever, there, there, there's no slowness in denouncing bad actors. So it's not like the OSR is protecting these people by any means. You know, they're very quick to denounce when it happens. So it's not like the community is encouraging this kind of behavior. Um, but like Rob said, I mean, the thing is that when we say community, it's a loose net community connected because we like DIY and we and most of us kind of like you know, something about these old rule sets and these things, but that's really that all that connects us. It's not like there's a governing body where, you know, you don't send your dues into somewhere. There's no OSR czar or anything. So there's, you know, there's no way to control who puts OSR on the products. So, I mean, it's just not possible to do because it's not that kind of community. So, but I, the good people in the community vastly outnumber any bad apples, I think. And I think that's the true across the board in most communities, right? I think that's um, true in life. As a yeah, and that's what I mean. And yeah, outside yeah. of gaming, even in regular yeah. life, you know, you get bad apples and everything, but the vast majority are, are, you know, good people trying to do the right thing. So, yeah, don't read everything you don't believe everything well, you read. <laughs> you, 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 you know, try, try it out for yourself. 
you know, reach out. Also, don't don't read everything you believe. Well, that's <laughs> how true. are you going to learn anything new? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's very important, and that's a little off topic of OSR. But yeah, if you you know, I make a point. Even you know, we well, whether you're talking politics, whether you're talking other things, to try to you, you know look at both sides of things. I mean, I definitely have my political views, and my opinions, but I, I will also listen to what you know people with different thoughts are looking at. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to go listen to the neo-Nazi party talk about things, but, you you know, like in America, you have your Democrats and Republicans. And I'm going to read, you know, both sides and media outlets that lean towards both sides to try to, you know, see what they're saying. It doesn't, I'm not necessarily going to change my mind, but I want to listen to what they're saying because it's very possible things I believed aren't correct. You know, people can change and their positions can change. But if you're only ever in that echo chamber, people saying the same things, you know, you might not be able to get to that point where you're evolving because you're not hearing different ideas. You, you have to be open-minded, um, you, you know, obviously with certain restrictions, but, you, you know, there's no harm in at least listening and, and, and opening up a little bit and being, having a little bit wider sources than just, you know, I only ever get news from this one source, right? Because... Yeah. You're you're getting that that source's spin on the news, you know. Sadly, but you know, there's not anyway. That's anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get we'll get depressing going down that road. <laughs> yeah, we certainly will. Any 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 final point, uh, final thoughts on, on the old school Renaissance and OSR October? Maybe we should yeah close with some thoughts on OSR October. I I think OSR October has been a, been very successful. We've had a. a you know, number of podcasts been involved. There have been blogs involved, other things, other other people involved, and there's a lot of great content out there. I, I really want to call out. Um, I, we already mentioned the Red Caps. Kevin's got some really great interviews up there, so check those out. They're well worth your time to listen to those interviews. You know, he's, he's talked to. He's got um, Dan Proctor of Goblinoid Games Labyrinth Lord lined up to talk to. He's got other one. You know. So go check that out. But Rob over Down the Heap podcast, this OSR October thing really is Rob's brainchild. Now, a couple other of us kind of ran with it after Rob mentioned it, but Rob, the the genesis of this really, Rob deserves the credit for this. Rob over Down the Heap podcast. And he's been putting out a podcast every day and he's putting he's done a really good job with saying positive and what he's doing and everybody from the most part has been really positive and not talk about negative things talk about good things but Rob's done a great job you know uh Taylor over Clerks or Ringmail's been putting out a lot of stuff Daniel I, I also want to point out Daniel Norton of Bandits Keep because he's done a great job of picking up some more obscure OSR things that are out there and bringing light on those and, and he's talked about a lot of great products so there and there are a whole other number of podcasts and things that I haven't mentioned, and I apologize if I haven't mentioned anybody. But yeah, there are just a lot of them out there that are doing really great work. So this is the, I, the first one, isn't it, that we're aware of? This is the first OSR October. I mean, yeah, as far as I know, this, like I say, it, it was Rob's idea, um, yeah. which kind of came out of RPG a Day Month. You know, yeah. he came up with this during RPG a Day Month. He's like, well, we should do a you know, something with OSR, and we talked about it and wanted it to be a positive thing. You know, he, I, and Taylor with Clerical Ringmail, and um, and kind of got some other people talking, and 
kind of got the ball rolling. But yeah, Rob deserves all the credit. So it's a good one, Rob. So there was there was some concern that this was uh, being hot on the heels, hot on the heels of uh, RPT a day, that it would sort of um, send the wrong messages, like that rather than unifying the hobby, the the, the community, the hobby, you know, um, it it was just focusing on one area. Um, but I think we've proved that that was that wasn't really. Uh, hasn't been a concern. I, I don't know if we have. Proof. Well, I think talking about the product, like the, you know, really trying to talk about the neat products and the neat things that are out there is helped with that because it's not about comparing, you know, it's not, you either play OSR or you don't, right. It's, it's not, it's not end or it's not, you know, it's not a binary thing. You can enjoy it. If you, if you only play 5e, D&D 5e, or you only play Pathfinder 2, you or you only play Vampire the Masquerade. You you could still go to a lot of these products we talk about during OSR Cobra. You can look at a lot of these products and pull useful things out of those products to put into your campaign. You know, there there's still useful lessons learned. When we look at the principles that you, you know we talk about the idea of instead of just rolling the die, describe how you're doing something. That's a you know an OSR principle, right? The idea that instead of just I walk into the room, I roll perception. Well, tell me how, what you're doing, you know, describe what you're doing. And then maybe you're going to make a role because the game system has skills and wants you to make a role, but get the players into that describing mode, that descriptive mode. Well, I, you know, run my hands along this. I do that. You know, that's applicable to any game, not just uh, any, at any rule set that's applicable to. Right. Right. And I, I found that that was the thing I, I probably mentioned like in the previous ep episode that I put out, but. The thing that really excited me about the old school Renaissance when I read those, when I read the, um, I can't remember what it's called, the Matt Finch's uh, Prince, Principia or whatever, or something. Oh, well, that, that's somebody else. <laughs> that's not Finch's. That's somebody but, else. That's yeah, that, that, somebody there, else wrote that after Finch did his. Yeah. Yeah, there's two, um, there's two really interesting little guides to, yeah, Matt, I think actually probably mentions them. Yeah, Matt Prince's. Yeah, Matt Finch's is called The Quick Primer for Old School Gaming. And it's free. Right. You can get it for free out there. Um, the other one is the uh, Ben Milton. Ben go. Milton. Ben yeah, Milton, it's a Principia. Stephen and David Perry. Yeah, Principia David Perry is the actual author. Yeah, of that. Right, 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 right. It's in the beginning of um, old school essentials uh, mm -hmm. rules term as well. So that's new to old school games, and this is how. So it was reading these these. Um, these books, which really fired my imagination, because it was giving uh, a, a philosophy of how to play games that that felt familiar to me. It reminded me of when I got in the hobby, right at the beginning, right at the real beginning. That same kind of a buzz that I got from the games from early uh, AD and D uh, and from fighting fantasy books. That kind of sense of uh, of reading descriptions of stating what you're going to do and taking taking the responsibility of that action you know all mm -hmm. those actions count all of those ideas um can be applied to any rules uh, any rules any game system right um and i think that's something that's a great takeaway from the osr is some of the ideas it comes back to that that oral um uh, descriptive 
part of role playing game and that that negotiated negotiating um the reality <laughs> you know that that to and throw between the the games master or whatever you call them the referee mm-hmm. and the players so what you can't have all the details but you can you can if you question the gm uh, and so you can create quite an in-depth um, experience mm-hmm. through through that through engaging like that through engaging with the imagination and it's not necessarily on the character sheet and that's something that that could be applied to any system of games and it's really exciting to me yep i i agree so i i yeah it, it you know the key is to look at it as positive because i don't only play one kind of game i play a wide variety of different games you know some old school some new newly produced and they're you know i to me gaming is a social hobby so i enjoy the social aspect of it you know there are some rules i like better than others but i you know the social part's the important part right right yeah yeah i'm happy to move between lots of different systems but uh yeah excellent so i think i think Mm -hmm. we've uh we've talked quite in depth about this i mean yeah. obviously we don't we're not scripted this isn't scripted so it's still been a bit of, all over the place but i think we've we've spread the tent pretty wide is that correct a big tent we've created a big tent we picked yeah, it out i, I hope so uh, and there's yeah. a lot of room there's a lot of room for uh differences in opinion and for new ideas to go within what we've defined here because it's so loose Right, but I think that's a good thing. Um, I I think it needs to be loose because it's just, you know, role-playing is really is such a small hobby. You know, in the overall scheme of things, role-playing is such a small hobby. And, you know, the OSR is a niche part, you know, a small part of that small hobby. And and we're we're really too small to be be divided and divisive over, you know, little things. Um, and, and really they are little things and which, which something Joe Richter will tell you, you know, what he's taken out of this is, you know, the, he's been lucky enough that the games he's played in and he runs a lot of that works off, you know, the same kind of GM principles that old school games, you know, we're, we're talking about here. So he didn't, when he was listening to the gaming advice, he's like, well, that's how I've always played. And that, so it sounds just like any other game. Exactly. Which is a good, exactly. which is not a bad thing, you know. We're, we have more in common than we don't, right? In a lot of ways. Right. So you know, let's not, you know, it's it, it, this isn't sports. That you know, you don't have to hate the other team in 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 this. You, you know, we're not. It's not one of those things. So, right. Uh, I think that's a that's a great note on which to finish. Um, love, love everybody. Peace and love, and uh, enjoy your games. <laughs> And uh, yeah, enjoy spending time with those people. Uh, I agree. Yep. You know, in the words of the great ones, be excellent to each other. Mm